You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to the Sam and Sam Show on the Grueling Truth Sports Network. I am one of your co-hosts for the Sam and Sam Show, Sam McGinnis. I'd like to welcome on our other co-host, Sam Teets. How you doing? I'm doing great, Sam. How about you? Doing pretty good. We'd like to remind you that this show is brought to you by Replenishing Care and Technology, specifically the PEMF uh, machine. Whether you're young or old, it can help you recover faster. Stuff happened since Tuesday. Surprisingly, it's only been a few days. Since we last did, uh, did our last show, but I want to open this show with uh, thinking or dreaming this time, instead of ending it with it. I think this is one of our better segments, so I'm going to enjoy this. But who wants <laughs> to go first? Do you want me to ask you some questions? All right, you can go first. All right. So, is this thinking or dreaming, Sam? Dak Prescott is an MVP candidate. It hurts me to say this, but that's thinking. Unfortunately. In the in the higher end, or pardon me, in the lower end, but I think it's within the uh, the realm of possibility. He's definitely improved over the over the last couple of years, I think. But uh, clearly, this is not the uh, what he was thinking. I was gonna say. I was thinking you were just go dreaming. I didn't expect Here's the thinking thing. honestly. Here's the thing. It's not even necessary because, like, he might be a legitimate candidate. I don't think he'll win or anything. I think that's much more likely to be one of the the other names. But the thing is, is it's not like it's outside of the realm of possibility. Nah, it's outside the realm of possibility. There's no way. <laughs> not this year. But I'm huh. <laughs> not, not expecting that answer. I was not, dude. I was not. I was giving you more credit apparently than I thought. <laughs> you come out and say, <laughs> "I was thinking," but no. Uh, all right, my second one is really doing two each today. Gardner Minshew is better than every quarterback from the 2018 draft except Lamar Jackson. So that's Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, uh, Josh Rose. Yeah, I think that's thinking too. I think that's uh, that that's fair. Uh, the closest one to him out of that pack may be Josh, uh, Josh Allen. Um, but yeah, Gardner Minshew has done quite a bit considering his lack of team around him. Overall, I mean, he is on the Jaguars, so I, I feel like that's a fair, a fair statement. Move into mine real quick. Um, this this one might be more uh, agreeable on our part. The Heat will come close. I say they win a game or two, but will not win the NBA Finals championship. So you're thinking they're going to get to the finals? Is what you're telling me, and I'll agree with that. I think they are going to get there. There's no way they're turn around and lose. It'll be three in a row. They have to lose three in a row to say, get knocked out at this point. I don't see that happening. I think the Celtics could take another one just because of how it's working out at this point. I would definitely see the Celtics maybe making the series go 4-2, but I do not see a situation where the Heat lose three games in a row and get bounced from the playoffs. So, like, yes, this is thinking. The Heat are going to be in the NBA Finals. Hopefully, I'm going to I really like the Heat. But I think they're going to get there. I just don't see them being the Lakers. Yeah. Or, or the Denver Nuggets. Because the Heat were a little lower on the standings when they got into the playoffs, didn't they? Weren't they like fifth or something? Yeah, they were lower, but they lost a bunch of games. Their bubble schedule was very difficult. So if you had ended it, I think, at the 
point where just like the regular the regular season, I said regular season, I mean before the suspension, they were either second, they were third or fourth actually in the East, which is where they really should have been ranked. But they played so many playoff teams in the bubble that they actually got knocked down a little bit. All right, all right. And here comes my other one. <laughs> Baker Mayfield will ultimately not deliver for his team and therefore be a bust. Mike Goodpasser, I agree with this. Mike thinks Baker Mayfield is just another guy at this point. He doesn't like him at all. I, Baker, see, I like Baker Mayfield a lot coming out of college, and that's really my issue. Is that I liked him a lot, and I have trouble kind of backtracking on that at this point. I think he's he's going to be looked at as a bust from, from Cleveland. He's, not, he's probably going to stick around the NFL. He's probably going to be a start in the league for a while, but the Cleveland Browns remember him as a bust because if they don't, I mean, if they don't at least win or make it to an AFC Championship game with this current roster, then you fell short, then you underachieved. So I ultimately, in Cleveland, he's going to be remembered as a bust. Well, and the thing is, it's not necessarily that he doesn't have starting potential. He's just not good enough to start on a really good team, in my in my opinion, on that one. I It's not that he couldn't start. It's that you're already at the Browns. You can't really go a whole lot. Like in the NFL now, you could, but it is the Browns organization. You could be a starting quarterback for a low end team, but he's not the answer in Cleveland. If you want, yeah. My thing with my thing with Baker is, I agree with you the fact that he probably couldn't be a starter on a high end like Super Bowl caliber team. But I also think that playing in Cleveland when he's had what three or four offensive coordinators since he's gotten to the league, that really kind of hurts him. So I really think if we saw him transplanted into a more stable situation, he could do a lot better. But I think if we're looking at high-end quarterback play for Baker Mayfield, probably like a Derek Carr, someone who's good, certainly a starting caliber quarterback, but not fantastic. I think that's probably where you see Baker Mayfield at his peak. Well, yeah, and that is that is saying something, considering there are only a certain number of people that can do that in the world. But for the NFL standards, most teams uh, would want better when going into the Super Bowl, or at least some might. Yeah. Um, well, when you're the number one overall pick, Mike's told me this the other day, the expectation is if you're the number one overall pick, your team's got to at least be a playoff caliber team every year, especially if you're a quarterback. So Baker Mayfield at this point is absolutely probably considered a bust. Well, and I would I would want something that's more like Kyler Murray coming out of a first overall pick. I mean, we've seen some solid stuff from Kyle, Kyler Murray, and there are still questions around Baker Mayfield two years later. So, well, yeah, Kyler Murray is already significantly better than Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's that's where we're at. And that's really what you want from an overall pick is a player like Kyler Murray who is getting – I mean, people are talking about him potentially being the MVP this year. I don't buy into that that much. But I think he's playing at a top seven, top eight quarterback level, which for a second-year guy is pretty good. I mean, that's where you want the guy to be. Baker Mayfield did not, and he didn't end up that way. He ended up towards, like, the 20 spot by the time he ended his sophomore year. So, really, like I said, this could really go the wrong way for Baker Mayfield. I think he'll be around the league for a while, but I don't think he'll be the superstar quarterback you expect from a number one overall pick to be. Well, and, and here's the one of the bigger differentiators between Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, we don't know where he's going to be in, in just a few years. Kyler Murray, likely to be the future answer for this uh, for this Arizona Cardinals team. Yeah, I would think they'd be crazy to get rid of him. Like, this is a guy absolutely you work, like this is a guy you dream of having on your team at, as quarterback. So getting rid of him is absolutely not an option for Baker Mayfield. It's really a toss. I could see them declining his uh, fifth-year option if he doesn't do well this year. I think that would make a lot of sense. I can see a lot of quarterbacks finishing that draft class not having their fifth-year options picked up. So for a situation where we, I don't know what Baker Mayfield's going to be doing in the NFL in three or four years from now, I think he'll still be there. I just think he'll be on a different team. 
Yeah, that might be a, a fair statement, depending on whether Cleveland just decides to bench him or, or what happens. But we'll move in since we're already talking about the NFL. We'll go to uh, a little bit of an update. And I, I saw this one uh, w- when I was looking at uh, NFL news. I thought this was interesting. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the first NFL quarterback to beat the same team, in this case being the uh, being the Jaguars, with six different teams. So he was playing on six different teams and beat the same team with six different teams. I thought that was a really interesting stat, and it says a little bit about Ryan Fitzpatrick, I guess. It says a little bit. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's the only guy in the league you consider actually doing this. Like, think about all the guys – in the NFL, he's the only one who even has a chance of like recording something like this. He is an, he's an underrated guy, honestly. I think people give him too much flack for see, obviously he's hit or miss. He's entirely hit or miss usually, but he'll be remembered as a as a probably a solid quarterback. It's just a very weird legacy he's gonna leave behind. Yeah, it's very confusing, and <laughs> yeah, he's just a weird question mark when it comes to the NFL. Like for instance, he's beaten the Saints at the Superdome, but it's confusing because then he'll be super inconsistent the next week. So just kind of questions around him, but interesting, interesting stat posted there. Um, Also, I love how this whole time everybody's been like, well, we've got no preseason, right? It's been a big thing about everybody. No preseason, no OTAs. This is the highest recorded um, number of points for the NFL as a whole start in the first two weeks. Ever. Well, that's let's not let's not say that's necessarily because I that's not let's not draw anything here because let's put it this way. The NFL is pushing the game to be more offensive. They want you to score more points. More points means more viewers. That means more highlights. Same thing happening in the NBA right now. So it's not entirely shocking that more points are scored. I think you're trying to make the potential connection there that the preseason like would have put the numbers down, but instead they've gone up. I, I would disagree there. I don't think it's necessarily because they didn't have a preseason. I think the preseason really wouldn't have affected this outcome. I mean, the penalty, move this way, the penalties are way down too. And that's another thing you can put into account for this because the penalties have, the refs have stated they're only calling clear and obvious fouls. So penalties are way down and scoring is way up. It's There's multiple things going in here. It's just not the preseason itself. It is interesting for all the fans who like scoring, though, and really bad for the corners, safeties, and everybody who plays a defensive position that isn't a star. Well, honestly, there's honestly looking at the league right now, there's a lot of teams that are really bad, and they have really bad secondaries. I mean, one of the most depleted positions in the league right now, I think, is the arc, quarterback and safety. Those two positions, corner safety, they're very depleted in terms of talent. I think the offensive line is probably worse, but those two spots really don't have as many stars as they think they should right now. Well, and it makes it harder with the rules the way they are since you can't do as much with the receivers. And, I mean, think about this. Corner has got to be one of the more difficult positions on defense since you're basically trying to keep uh, a, a professional sprinter from catching a ball. Like, that's difficult. Yeah, and I think there are maybe more difficult positions to communicate with our guys with on field defensively. Or maybe you have to make reads a little bit quicker in certain spots. But I think corner, in terms of just what you're asking them to do, it is it's probably the most difficult thing every single play because, like you said, these guys are Olympic-level athletes, especially you have guys who have gone to the Olympics or gone to Junior Olympics and competed in sprinting before. So these guys are Olympic-level players, and you have to prevent them from catching a football without touching them. And they will sell it. If you touch it, you can poke them. They will sell it. So, I mean, it's really difficult to go out there and do their job. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another thing I wanted to cover real quick was, to me, when I'm looking at the AFC, yeah, I see Kansas City and I see um, Baltimore as probably the front runners for the Super Bowl over there. But then when you look – or pardon me, that's AFC. When you look at the NFC, it's a little bit more jumbled up. Uh, I know the Saints, but I have questions about Drew Brees. And then you've got um, – You've got the Rams, Seattle Seahawks in the same division with the 49ers, and that's a whole mess. And, and what are you getting, the Cowboys from, from the NFC North? Like, that's don't not – Don't talk about the Super Bowl. Don't talk about They're not a Super Bowl contender. So it's a bit more jumbled up in the NFC, and I feel like um, the, F- the AFC, tell me if I'm wrong. I, I don't, I'm not necessarily throwing out an opinion here, but the AFC might have a better shot at winning a Super Bowl here with one of their top two contenders. Well, yeah, I, I would agree. No, I think that's – that's a good point. I think you, I agree with you. The two best teams in the NFL right now are the Chiefs and the Ravens. The Ravens have maybe the most complete roster of any team in the NFL. And the Chiefs, it's Patrick Mahomes to the Ring Super Bowl champs. I think that just gives them a lot of credit, and they deserve it. They have really good coaching staff as well. There are also two teams in the AFC that are kind of like lurking in the background a little bit. It's the Tennessee Titans and Buffalo Bills. And Mike and I have talked about these teams before. They have potential. They have quarterbacks who are on hot streaks right now, Ryan Taylor with Josh Allen. They have pretty good defenses. So those two teams are potential upset teams that you can see in the playoffs make a run. On the NFC side of things, I think Seattle and me, just partially because of Russell Wilson, I think they have some good defensive personals too, although they haven't quite gelled yet. And then the Green Bay Packers because of Aaron Rodgers. Those two teams to me yeah. are the front runners. And I know New Orleans, New Orleans if on paper, New Orleans might have the best roster in the NFL. They're right there with the Baltimore Ravens. But New Orleans, Tampa Bay so far, They've really disappointed me. So honestly, I don't think they're. I wouldn't put them in the same classification. So I think it's really Baltimore, Kansas City, Green Bay, and Seattle are my four right now. Well, and what can you trust with New Orleans? You're going to lose a, a playoff game to the Vikings, and then Drew Brees is going to sputter out during the playoffs. You don't know what you're like. It's not looking good for Drew Brees, and I can't trust the Saints anymore, which is really sad for me to say. And it hurts even more that you mentioned the Packers are legit now because they could very well be a Super Bowl contender. Not necessarily that they would win it, but they could very well be the the reference, uh, or pardon me, the the team that goes for the NFC. Yeah, you know what? It's the Packers and Saints. They might be without some of their best weapons this weekend. I know Michael Thomas isn't playing for New Orleans, and we saw what an impact that made when they got beat by the Raiders this past week. They need they need Michael Thomas. He's essential to them. And on the other side, Green Bay. Uh, Devontae has went up play. He's missed quite a few games the last couple of years. And whenever he's out, Aaron Rodgers' best receiving weapon is Alan Lazard. So, I mean, they kind of need him too. So, this is going to be very interesting to see how those teams play this weekend because they're going to be possibly missing two of the maybe the top seven receivers in the NFL. Yep, you're going to be you're gonna be missing some, some people there. But let's move on to college football now. I believe you have an update for us, yeah? Yeah, I do. And it's a positive update, I think, to say the least at this point. So That's from funny. what we're hearing right now, the Pac-12 has announced that it has voted to resume college football or voted to get their college football season started again. They initially suspended it back when the Big Ten did as well. It was kind of like a joint announcement almost. They were following each other. The Big Ten, of course, recently said they're back. They're back in. They're playing an eight-game regular season schedule plus a ninth game for their conference championship, and then they're hopefully going to play in the conference football, college football playoffs. But on the other side, the Pac-12 comes back now, seven-game regular season, Hope, I think there's going to be an eighth game, which is going to be the conference championship, and then there might put a team into the college football playoffs. I don't see it happening. 
They're only playing seven regular season games. To me, that's too little to qualify for the college football playoffs. And really, they don't have a dominant football school. Oregon's probably the best they have. And even that, to me, is not enough. So Pac-12 back, that's a good thing. I don't think it makes a huge difference in the long run. The Mountain West and Mac are also voting to get back in. And again, it's good to have more football back, good to have the schools playing again. But at the same point, do those conferences really even matter in the big picture of things? Probably not. Well, yeah, but it's good for those individual schools and maybe the um, the health of those individual schools in the sense of morale. Um, but it is funny to note that you mentioned they're kind of following each other. I kind of noticed that when we were uh, starting this whole shutdown thing, even with the professional leagues, started with the NBA. I watched the NHL do the same thing very shortly after. And it seems like there it's, it's follow the leader on this one. So it's the person who takes initiative that might, um, that might gain the momentum with uh, swinging sports around. Well, yeah. And the big 10 pac 12 have notoriously kind of been tied to the hip a little bit. It's not shocking. They follow each other, but yeah, I think the big 10, when they decided to postpone the season, they were really expecting everyone else to follow suit. That's really what they thought. They were trying to start that domino effect and they just didn't get it. That really backfired on them. We saw how it backfired on them, obviously. <laughs> yeah. They're coming back now. They're trying to play an eight-game re- regular season. But I mean, it's just good to have college football back. It's good to see that more teams are trying to get back. I think they've realized it's okay to do it safely now. But we're not kind of out of the shadow of COVID-19 yet. There was supposed to be a Notre Dame-Wake Forest game for the ACC this weekend. That's been postponed because Notre Dame had a little bit of an outbreak in their team. And I say outbreak. And it's not a huge number right now. It's, it's a couple of players, less than 10, I think. But they've had players come down to trying to contact trace it. So they are postponing the game that was supposed to be this weekend. Yeah, I had something actually similar happen with one of the high school teams we were about to play. They got COVID, and instead of having a one-week break, we had a two-week break, which will actually almost be three weeks by by the end of this. So, yeah, that's unfortunate. But uh, now we move into the uh, the Stanley Cup, and I think we've learned something. Uh, I cannot predict things. I uh, I can't. It's funny. I used to be really good at predicting um, specifically the NFL when I was really young. And then at a certain point, it just stopped and it has not come back since that time. But a uh, little bit. Well, if, if Mike's hearing this right now, Mike is going to bash you for saying that for the rest of your life. Not right. He's going to pick that statement apart. Here's the thing. He's going to bash me anyway. Oh, that's true. Uh, in what situation would you not get bashed by Mike? <laughs> um, so Lightning have a dominant performance in game three absolutely destroy the stars despite the stars having good momentum earlier in the game and here's the thing i'm not going to be going back and forth with predictions i think in the end that's dumb i'm going to keep it the way it is and i'm going to say the stars in six or seven still um probably seven now but we'll we'll see how it goes i'm still saying they'll win tonight um but stamkos or stamkos was back for game three he uh, scored the second goal in the game. Um, Dallas Stars gave up a couple of kind of weak goals earlier on in that game. Um, got another game tonight, 8 p.m. It's going to be tough. The Stars need to turn it around because now you've got the momentum of um, the Lightning's captain back. You don't want that continuing for them, so they really need to shut them down early. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, after a dominant win – that's got to be hard to bounce back from. You can't let them continue having that momentum. You really need to put the clamps on team early in the game. Otherwise, it's going to get out of hand. I mean, you, you've been pulling for the stars here. Is there any way the Lightning just run away with this series? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm seeing the possibility of that. Um, however, 
we did note earlier last time uh, on Tuesday that the Stars are an adaptable team. Uh, even when they were up on a series 3-1 avalanche earlier this year, came back to tie at 3-3, the Stars ended up winning that series and didn't completely fumble it away. So they can come back from bad situations. We just need to see that again tonight. And in my personal opinion, this is a must-win game because after it's you're down 3-1, to one, it's incredibly difficult to come back from that. Yeah, so three one's basically the, the nail in the coffin, then, right? It's done after this. You think it's done after this game if it goes down to three one? I think if it goes down to three one, the stars are cooked. Which, hey, that's not looking too good for your prediction, then, McGinnis. Then if it doesn't if, go that way, if they way. win tonight, the next game is not a necessary win. It would be nice to win back to back, but then they only have to do that once. Winning back to back isn't unrealistic, but winning three in a row makes it much more difficult. I agree. We talked about with the NBA earlier. Three in a row is really just improbable, especially at this high level at this point. The Stanley Cup, I mean, you're, you're not if you lose three games in a row in the Stanley Cup finals, that really says a lot about your team. I don't think that's going to happen. So, hopefully, hopefully the stars don't get uh, get destroyed right now. But I think we have a uh, a flex of the week that is uh, more on the funny side now. You had one last time, but you wanted to take it to a uh, to a funny extreme this time. Yeah, I know you said you want to take it this week, but I just had it when I had to get up. The Big Ten has been taking a lot. The Big Ten's been taking a lot of L's recently, but they took a W when they released their schedule, and they gave Nebraska what Nebraska deserves. So Nebraska, if you don't know, actually sued the Big Ten to get college football back. If you look at play college football, they talked about leaving the conference for this season to go play elsewhere because they wanted to play college football that badly. Well, the Big Ten released the schedule for Nebraska and all the other schools. The Cornhuskers have by far the worst schedule out of any school in the Big Ten. It's unbearable. You open with Ohio State. You got Wisconsin in your second game. Your third game is Penn State. Your fifth game, or your sixth game, sorry, is Iowa. And the final game, your eighth one, is Minnesota. Those are four, actually no, five teams that will probably be ranked in the top 25 at some point in the season. And the only, the only school I didn't play for the Big Ten who's really good is Michigan. Otherwise, you played all the dominant programs in the conference. And it's significantly harder than any other schedule there is at this point. So I, I, I don't want to tell you, this is an epic move by the Big Ten, in my opinion, giving Nebraska exactly what it deserves. Yeah, and you're just looking at this from from that perspective. I find this kind of humorous. They're just like, uh, get back in your place, Nebraska. I think it's funny Nebraska sued them in the first place. But that's – Well, yeah, that too. But the, the whole situation is kind of funny. It's this this like, is the funny part. This is the comeback. If you want to play football, you can play football. You're just going to go 0-8. <laughs> oh, Yeah. That's that's rich. Um, but moving on, we've got an NBA finals update or pardon me, an NBA update because the finals aren't quite here. Not around the corner, though. Yeah, we're right. We're right there. I mean, we're getting really close. I think watching the games the last couple of days, it's, it's becoming clear that we really are up doorstep of the NBA finals at this point. I don't really feel like it's it doesn't feel like a normal finals. Usually there's more hype to it. I think there really hasn't been it this year. But at the same point, it's it's been a fun playoff. It's not that it hasn't been fun at all, but there's not the lead up that I usually expect from you know the NBA playoffs. But like I said, we're we're here now. The Heat are up three one. The Lakers are up three one. I think I think the Celtics are really the team that could still potentially make the comeback. We're talking about making three wins in a row between Denver, between the Celtics. It's going to be the Celtics if either of them do it, because right now. Both teams in that series actually have scored the same number of points. Boston, Miami, they have some room points. 
But the way it's worked out, Miami has three wins, Boston has one. So there's really not a huge difference between these two teams. It's just how it's worked out so far. And part of it, I credit to coaching. And part of Eric Spolstra. So I think that's probably a series I'm still keeping an eye on. On the other hand, I think really the Lakers, I, I would stick with it. I knew the last time we talked, the Nuggets came back and won the very next day or won that very night. So it's kind of like, wow, I'm looking stupid. But at the same point, I think the Lakers are just too dominant. I don't think the Nuggets have a chance to come back and win. Yeah, no, both these series are 3-1 now, correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and we just we just got done talking about how, how difficult that is to come back from a 3-1 series. It has happened before. Uh, Sharks, for instance, in the NHL last year came back from a 3-1. But that doesn't happen very often. Uh, and with it being the Lakers on top of it, it's even less likely because of how dominant a team that is. I mean, you do have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, so less likely on that note. I would still if you're LeBron if you're LeBron AD and you lose the series after being up three one you'll never live it down. Oh man, the media that would come after that, the absolute media destruction that Look, would. Come I don't want that to happen just because I don't want to have to listen to the media. If it does. So sometimes media can just ruin something. Like for instance, the Lightning. That was one of the reasons I haven't liked the Lightning for a long time now is because the media is bent so towards that team. It's obnoxious. I, I, it's okay. You don't have to have eight of your like 12 people predict them to win the, the finals. Nobody does that in other sports. Not everybody's like, it's going to be one team. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so here's the thing though, for three to one, I think when it comes down to it, the Lakers look like the front runners here to win the, to win it all. Well, the Lakers were for the front rows to win it all before the season started. I mean, people are talking right. about this con- this title's going to have an asterisk next to it. Just shut up. No, it's not. Because the team that was supposed to be here is here. I mean, we, we're talking about for forever. It's been over a year since we said the Lakers are going to be the team to beat. Because right now, we're in September. And the season starts usually, was it, early November, late October. We're almost a full calendar year after the start of the season that's still going on. And we were saying the Lakers are going to be the top team. They are here. This is what they were supposed to do the entire time. The Nuggets, who were close to this last year, they are here. The Clippers failed epically, but really, they shouldn't have. It's on them. So to me, I don't think the asterisk argument comes into play at all because the teams that are supposed to be at this point in the year are here. So there's really no there's no shock to me at all. This is what was supposed to happen. The Milwaukee Bucks are who the Bucks were supposed to be. They choked away in the playoffs when they should have won. And it's the same thing we expected. So to me, I'm really not that, sh- I'm not that shocked, and I'm not going to put an asterisk next to this title. <laughs> yeah, and this is the thing. When it comes to the NBA, what you're describing fits the NBA's bill perfectly. The teams you think are going to win, win. Makes sense. Shouldn't be all that surprised. It's LeBron James. It's Move on. Except when it's Toronto. <laughs> Except last year. I mean, honestly, Except Toronto was Kawhi. I mean, the Toronto Raptors were Kawhi got there. The Raptors were the laughing stock of the East because whenever they would play well, and they make the playoffs, and they would play LeBron, and then they would get their butts kicked, and they'd be knocked out in four or five games. So the Raptors was a surprise. That was the first time, the first championship they ever won. Kawhi obviously carrying that team. They had a good roster, but wasn't like a star-studded roster. So, I mean, it's not as good as everyone says, but this season, certainly, it's what it was supposed to be. Uh, speaking of surprises, I believe we have your surprise of the week up next. Yeah, we do. And my surprise of the week was actually, this is a short segment this time, but my surprise of the week was Tyler Hero coming off the bench for Miami, 
going 14 for 21, dropping 37 points to help Miami take a 3-1 lead. Now, Tyler Hero, he's he's very – I'll say hit or miss on a given night. He takes a lot of shots. He's not always the most accurate shooter, but he's never afraid to take them. I love Tyler Hero because he's just got that baller mentality. He's going to go out there, and he's going to shoot the lights out. He's going to try. He's not a superstar defender, but he puts a lot of effort on both sides of the court. And really, I respect the mentality he has. That he's going to go out there be an impact player, and make all the plays he needs to make to win the game. That's why I think guys like him, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, these guys have meshed really well because of that mentality, because they have that, we're going to go out there and we're just going to beat you. And so I really appreciate that. And that's why he have gotten this far. Well, and it's not necessarily always about being the best shooter. I mean, obviously you want to be a good one, but sometimes it's just being about being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, but I don't think it's necessarily the case with Tyler Hero. I think Tyler Hero is really skilled. I think he's ready to heat up. Now, he is always paying attention, though. He's always the kind of guy who's ready in any given situation to go in and try to take over a game. That's a little bit where you're getting at. He's always ready. You're always just available. And he's been that guy. And really, when they need him to heat up, he's done. So I, I give Tyler Hero a lot of props. I think he's been a big part of this team. And that's why I think he's going to be a, a really good player moving forward. That's why he's one of those promising rookies in the NBA. Do you think he'll turn into one of a, a no. star-studdered team? No. Oh, oof. Now, look at this. I love Tyler Hero. He can make a couple of all-star appearances. He's not going to be like, he's not going to be the guy who goes out and shoots 27 or makes 27 points per game. He's not going to be that kind of guy. He won't be an All-NBA player. Probably won't be. You know, he won't be like a five-time All-Star. Maybe like two or three teams. But I don't see him being the kind of guy to go out there and be the next superstar shooting guard. All right, there you go. And, and I like Tyler Hero, but it's just, it's just realistic. It's funny his last name is Hero, considering what he did for the Heat. But um, moving on to our final segment, Prediction Center. We got some big games coming up this week in the sports world, including obviously you've got NHL finals, NBA uh, conference finals on both sides and you've got some really good matchups for Sunday football. Yeah. Do you want to kick it off in the NHL here? Who should I be rooting for McGinnis? Which team should I like? So here's the thing. Here's the thing. The lightning blew it last year. So in a sense, if you're, if you're trying to look for the redemption story in that sense, the lightning, but at the same time, this, this is just what they should have been last year. Blew it all then went and beat the Columbus Blue Jackets, who they got swept by last year. So they proved themselves in that sense. So you've got that going for you. Okay, so a little bit of redemption on the part uh, uh, of that team. But then you've got a good story in uh, Anton Hudobin. Okay, so Ben Bishop. He's the starting goaltender for the Dallas Stars, gets injured, can't play. Kind of like um, oh, a little bit of what Biddington was last year. This guy comes in, he plays well. And he's got helps get them all the way to the finals as what should technically be a backup. Granted, good goalie, but he's really showing that he could be a solid goalie for a starting solid goalie for any team in the NHL. So you've got so you're, two, telling me, you're telling me I should root for the stars, that's what you're saying. I'm here's what I'm saying. I don't like Tampa Bay for two reasons. One, it would make <laughs> me look really stupid if they won. Two, the media hype around them is absolutely obnoxious. I know neither one of them, neither one of those are really their fault. The the losing to the to Columbus was, but in a sense, they've made up for that now. But yeah, the media hype around them can be rather obnoxious. So you're picking the stars in a win game four. 
Uh, I, so here's the thing. Personal feelings should not get in the way when you're when you're trying to do predictions. However, I, I did predict them to win, and I think it's stupid to go back and forth with this. So sometimes you just got to stick with it. So I'm going to be patient here and say the Stars win, oh, in seven. All right. I'll take the Lightning then because that yeah, way that's you're doubly wrong. Fair. That's probably fair, uh, especially since it's not what I said. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> All, All right. right. But this Sunday, Packers and Saints, who are you taking this matchup? Okay, so this is this is tough. So you've got um, you've got Aaron Rodgers, who's emerging again as a as a top as a top guy. He's really moving away from what he has been the past couple of years. So that's a good note on him. I have some issues with Drew Brees, as I as I've talked about. As sad as that makes me, however, let's think about the uh, the defenses the Packers have played so far. Well, first off, they played the Lions. Mm. They're the Lions. <laughs> They're the oh, Lions. Why I'm around you? They're your favorite team, McGinnis. Yeah, and this is the thing I have to I have to bash on my own on my own team here. And then they play the Vikings. So here's the thing: Have they really played a super legitimate defense yet? In in your opinion, Sam? No, no, exactly. No, I agree. Yeah, this is no. where I've gone before. I think Rodgers has benefited from playing really bad defenses so far. It's not necessarily that Rodgers won't do well, but he is playing a better defense than he has in the past. Uh, I'm just going to take the the Saints on this one. So you've got the better defense against the Packers. And Drew Brees, you know, we're still early on in the season. Maybe he'll he'll do well. I think the Saints need to win this game because it would be deflating to lose two in a row when you're supposed to be a Super Bowl favorite. But – I'm taking the backers. I think Aaron Rodgers is a significantly better quarterback than Drew Brees at this point. The Saints don't have Michael Thomas, and we saw what happens to them. They don't have Michael Thomas when they play the Raiders. And then, on the other hand, Green Bay's defense, much better. I know the interior defense with the run game, not that great. But defense with Jair, Alexander, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, it's a really good defense right now for Green Bay. Not an elite group, but a soccer group. So I think Green Bay is going to go out there and just play an overall game. I would take the Packers to win this one. We got another probably what should be the best game of the week. You got the Ravens and the Chiefs. You got the two best teams possibly in the entire NFL playing each other next week. Sam Teets, who do you got? Yeah, this is a Monday night football game, I believe. And this is the one. I mean, this is this is the kind of game you want on primetime television, not Absolutely. Jacksonville, Miami, like they had on Thursday night. But I'm gonna go with the Chiefs just because I think they have the Ravens number. They beat them last time they played. I think Patrick Holmes is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Even if Lamar might be a little more versatile with his ability to run, I think they have the better offense. I know, Kent, I know that Kansas City's defense got really got – and they got in trouble versus Justin Herbert this past week. So I don't know what Lamar Jackson is going to do to them. But I think it's going to be the Chiefs. They just have the Ravens number. Ordinarily in a situation like this, I would think Baltimore would have an upper hand. But the Chiefs just have an X factor when they play Baltimore. I'm taking Kansas City. And I'm with you on the Chiefs on this one. It's Hopefully it'll be a really good game, though. This is the two best teams in the NFL right now by, by many considered this way. So hopefully we'll at least get a really good game out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the least we can get. I'm hoping it's close because having a blowout would just stink. There's been so much hype for this game. Personally, I'm really excited for this one. I want to see the whole thing. I would be devastated if it's just a 21-point blowout. Yeah, that would be that would be less less exciting. Now we got the Nuggets and the Lakers. This specific game coming up. I know we both know what our series predictions are for both of these, but 
But this specific game, what do you think will go down? I could say a situation where both teams, both the Celtics and Nuggets, win another game. But I think the Lakers are going to close this one out. Because I've said this. I'm always wrong with my NBA predictions, by the way. I watch a lot of NBA, and I'm still almost always wrong. It's kind of like with you in the NHL. This is just how it works out. But I'm taking the Lakers. I went five. At this point, LeBron smells the blood in the water. I don't think they're going to let the Lakers get back into this. I just don't think we can do that. Also, they really found out a good way to use Dwight Howard uh, in the lineup. Rajon Rondo's playing really well. AD has been dominant. And if you ban- if you put LeBron on Jamal Murray like they did late in game, like late in last game, that could really work out in your favor. That could really neutralize him. And he's been a knockdown scorer this entire series. So I think the Lakers have the advantage right now strategically. And I don't think they're going to give it up. And if you are going to pick the upset for one of these two, because you also have the, the Heat and the Celtics in the other one, you might take the Celtics if you were going to pick out of these two teams, which one would keep keep the series going into the game. Well, if the Celtics won against Miami, it wouldn't necessarily be an upset because the Celtics, going into this series, I thought the Celtics were going to win. In all honesty, I'm a Miami Heat fan, but I thought the Celtics had the better team. I thought they maybe had a better coach. And after they beat the Raptors, I really thought they were going to make it to the finals. That hasn't happened, or they haven't gotten to that point yet. So I would take the Celtics to win another game. I don't think they'll get knocked out in five, but I can definitely see it happening in six. I hope the Heat go out there and win five just because – it would put me at ease a little bit as a Heat fan, but at the same time, at the same point, it's just the Celtics are a very good team. I think they should have done better than they have so far, but we'll see what happens. I think the Celtics definitely have a better chance of being the Heat than the Nuggets have being the Lakers. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's all we have for today. Uh, Sam Teets, you want to tell uh, everybody where can, they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Sam underscore Teets 33. Guys, we post new sports up there every day, so feel free to go check that out. All right, you can find me at Samuel McG22. Anything else, Sam Teets? Yeah, just check us out on GruelingTruth.com. We post articles, our podcasts go up there as well. Check out the Grueling Truth Facebook page. That's probably where most of you are watching this right now. We post new content almost every day, except for the weekends. So please, anything you can contribute, any kind of follows, any kind of views you can give us, we would really appreciate that. All right, that's all we got for today, guys. You've been listening to the Sam and Sam Show on the Grueling Truth Sports Network, uh, where the legends speak. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.